Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Making Happy Podcast. I am your host, Shade Freya. Today I have someone I call my brother and have called my brother for about 17 years now, um, Jerry Lightfoot, and we are going to be discussing Black Family Joy. Welcome, Jerry. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? (laughs) Thank you, sis, for having me. Uh, Basically, where do I start? My name is Jerry Lightfoot. I went to the amazing, the highest seven hills the above all be all when it comes to universities florida a&m university where i met my sis right here (laughs) Uh, currently you know residing in the dmv married have three kids i am a a army war vet and you know currently just still navigating this thing called life on an everyday basis aren't we all so, Jerry, just to give you a little bit of background about the Making Happy podcast. Okay. Um, and to all the listeners, this podcast acts as a platform for people to understand their happiness and wellness journey. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I like to stress is that happiness is hard work, but it is definitely worth it. And, um, the reason that I wanted you to come on to the podcast today is because you make happy happen. Um, I have watched you go from college to adulthood to married to father um, and all around family guy and just a good guy in general. And so um, I think a lot of times, you know, in our community specifically, we don't always have access to images of happy families. Um, or, you know, what we, we think of when we think of happy families, um, and we don't really understand the work that it takes to make that happen. Um, so I just wanted to pick your brain and have you share a little bit about your happiness journey and your experience, um, as a family person. Um, so I hope that you're able to give us some tidbits of information, um, so where where did your family journey start? So mine exactly currently or like growing up? So growing up and then leading into the family that you have created. Okay. So growing up on my father's side, uh, myself and my cousins, we are first generation Americans. Uh, my father's side of the family is from Trinidad, uh, Port of Spain, actually. And uh, my mom, she's from originally from the South. So uh, they met. It was kind of funny. My mom was leaving the army. She was stationed in Atlanta and she was moving to to Jersey, actually, to take a job after she got out the military. I used to work for Amtrak, but back then he was just like so like a regular person with Amtrak. So they met on the train and he was just like, okay, well, you know, I, I have to I have to take you out. I have to see you, blah, blah, blah. My dad was living in New York. So she was like, well, if you're really serious, then you'll come to Jersey and you'll take me out. So lo and behold, uh, I guess he was really serious about it. He came to Jersey and they started dating. Eventually, you know, got married. They moved, my mom moved to New York with him. They got a place in the Bronx and probably about, I wanna say uh, a year or so later, 
became me. So interesting, growing up in uh, in the house with, with my parents, it was, was, was always good. My mom, she was real. She reminds you of Felicia Rashad from yeah. from the uh, the Cosby. So she she was Claire Huxtable, and my dad, even though he was probably he was dark like Bill Cosby, he was like nothing like Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah, like the you know definitely the 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 Trini accent, and his mouth was he was he was rather uh, colorful with his language. I'll say that, but you know they they came together real good and unfortunately they didn't they didn't last so it was about i want to say maybe i was about to turn like 12 13 and my mom was just like hey you know me and dad we're gonna get a divorce and i'm thinking about moving so i was like all right cool yeah do that that's fine you know we can move so i'm thinking in my mind move to maybe brooklyn move to another part of the bronx i'm not thinking where she was thinking. So I come home with, from school one day, everything's packed up. And I'm like, yeah, so so where's the new place? And she was like, yeah, it's in Atlanta. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what part of the, <laughs> which borough that's in. <laughs> the only Atlanta I know is in Georgia. And she was just like, yeah, you know, we moving to Atlanta. I said, nah, we're not moving anywhere. I said, you're moving to Atlanta. I'm not going. I said, look, I don't, I'll, I know, you know, we got cousins and stuff down there, but I don't know nobody like that. Like all my 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 friends, my close family, like everybody's up here, you know, besides the people we visit in the summertime when I'm not in school. But other than that, I'm like, I'm not going to Georgia. So she was just like, okay, well, you can't stay with your dad because, you know, he travels for work. Because by this time, my dad was a conductor for, for Amtrak. So he was gone, you know, like four or five days gone and then he'll be home for three or four days. Then he'll be gone for like a week and, you know. So she was like, no, nah, you can't stay with him, you're too young. So you gotta stay with your grandma. So I was like, all right, cool. So I go stay with my grandma. She lived on Ogden Avenue, right in front of, anyone's familiar with the Bronx, then they know where like Highbridge projects are. So she would stay in the street, kind of like right in front of Highbridge projects on Ogden, like 160. 163rd in Ogden and it was good you know what I mean and then I had six months down the line I was you know with people I wasn't supposed to be with and everything like that so my mom she pretty much came back up from Atlanta and was just like oh, pack your shit you're going you're going to Atlanta so right. went to Atlanta everything everything was okay my and my relationship became strained with my father at this point because I really wouldn't see him unless he was passing through the city like when he would come through you know on the train for work so however long they was in it in Atlanta before they continued on to the next spot so I would see him maybe let's say a Saturday he was coming in he'll be there for like 30-40 minutes and then a day or two later when he's coming back on his way back up to New York then I see him again for like another 30, 40 minutes. And it kind of went on like that for the the next few years, you know, even to the point where like I had stopped going myself, like my mom, she would go just see him. She was like, hey, your dad's, you know, he's, he's, he's coming in on his schedule. I'm like, all right, yeah, that's nice. Because to me, I felt like he was doing the bare minimum and trying to spend time with me 
you know, I figure you, you make great money. You're not always working. You have a, a schedule that allows you to to kind of get up and go if you need to, if you want to. But yet the only time I see you is when you're kind of working, like you haven't came down, you know, flown down on your own. You didn't ride the train down on your own just to spend time with me or just to, you know, just to kick it. So yeah. it was, I was getting like this real big kind of like ball of resentment when it came when it came to my father and just you know just because of that but by this time my mom had remarried so you know I did have a a male figure in the household but once again it's not my father you know so I'm looking at him like all right dude whatever like whatever you got to say but you're not you're not my pops and I think the kind of breaking point for my and my father's relationship came when I was graduated from high school and I was salutatorian in my class. I'm getting all these accolades, like, you know, I'm in the paper, I'm like setting all kind of like records at the school for scholarship offers, everything. I think I had, was offered in total um, over a million dollars worth of scholarships from wow. all the universities that uh, had given me. And these are all purely academic scholarships too. So, you know, I invited him to to my graduation, and of course, um, I have to speak. <laughs> I didn't even write my speech until I was actually on the way to graduation. And I always do stuff like that. It's weird when it comes to to writing or or even or even having to speak. Like I don't, I never like writing things down. Like I I can. But I want to be as authentic as possible, and I want to be—I want to live in the moment. And for me, that's just kind of speaking, you know, how that goes. So mm-hmm. instead of trying to craft it all and, and recite it and rehearse it and be perfect, I kind of just go where the moment takes me. And I wrote, you know, wrote my speech, and it was literally—I was putting on, putting on my cap and gowns. Dress was in the back before we was about to walk out. And my dad called me on my cell phone. And so I'm thinking, you know, hey, he done made it here. He's trying to figure out where mom and him are sitting or something. But he's like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it to your graduation. And and that was it. You know, he didn't say why. He didn't say whatever. He didn't say I'm proud of you. He just, I'm not going to be able to make it to your graduation. And and that was pretty much the end of the conversation. And And he hung up. So, you know, my father... A lot of times, it, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Caribbean men. They can be real, you know, overbearing. They can be real stubborn. They can be real their way of the highway. Uh, I'm right and I'm always right. And they don't really show, you know, love or emotion like that. And it was funny. I, I was telling my wife, we were talking about our parents the other day. And I was just like, I, I can probably count on I definitely can count on one hand the times I remember my father telling me he loved me and even on that same hand if I just started counting I would be able to finish and still be on the same hand if I added in actual you know affection like a hug or something like that so for all my life one hand I loved you and hugs would would fit on on one hand so how, go ahead. how do you um how do you feel that this has impacted 
your ability to love or like how it has shown up in your um, relationships and how you father? I think, and it's, it's funny sometimes because people usually say despite where your mind or where your heart is, you, you tend you tend to be the example you saw. And while that's that can be true, I kind of feel that's a cop-out because clearly, you, you know, and, and my father wasn't all bad. So, you know, please, I'm not trying to say that, that he was. <clears throat> I'm just talking about when it came to, like, love, expression, um, you know, at, at that time, actually being being around, being fully involved outside of a paycheck, you know, outside of dropping money, then 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 that's what it was. But it showed me everything that I didn't like in my father, and the good things about him I did pull out, and the bad things I vowed to myself that when I had a when I had a family and started having kids, that I would never be that. And I think, once again, going back to how sometimes people fall in that cycle of, oh, this is what I saw, this is what it looked like. And somehow they feel like it's passed down or it's almost instinctual that they need to act or conduct themselves a certain kind of way. And I think you can break whatever change you need to break. You just have to be willing to do the work and you have to be willing to look deep inside of you and do what you need to do. Sometimes it's people don't want to face those demons and sometimes it could be pure laziness that keeps us in the cycle that we that we are in absolutely um do you feel like with that like did you go through a period where you had an awakening um and you said okay i'm intentionally not gonna be like my dad um or was that something that just evolved over time. So for instance, like I, you know, I have, I think in a lot of ways we are our parents. And, you know, as you said, you can make a very intentional effort to do the work and say, okay, I'm not gonna be my parents this way. Um, And I know like some of, I, I have some qualities similar to my father. And some of these qualities are qualities that I completely despise. But because it's like innate, um, I have to consciously say, okay, we're not going to do this. I'm not going to be this way. Um, Do you feel like you have to consciously make that decision um, in some areas? Or was it just something that you naturally adapted as a response to his lack in those areas? Uh, I, I think, honestly, it was a little bit of both. So... There are some things now, like even that I don't want to say technically struggle with, but uh, but like you, like I I know, all right, this is my dad, this is my mom, <laughs> this is exactly how it works, yeah. and I don't want to be like this. So let me, you know, I have to consciously remind myself when it comes to certain things. All right, I'm not gonna go over the top. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be like this, and that's just. One, coming back to how I was raised, two, how the things that I saw, the things, once again, that I liked and that I didn't like. And and also, like I said, it's 50-50 because some things, it takes me having to step back within my own mind and check myself. And then other things, it's, it, it was almost like the change happened. I woke up and it just 
it, it was different, you know, like I didn't really have to put effort into that. It just kind of, it grew or maybe I kind of shed it that, shed it that, that skin or that action or, you know, I broke that mold unknowingly as, as I grew as a man. So, you know what, this just brought something to mind. I know our generation, there wasn't as much accountability for men to be active fathers. And I feel like that's shifting in a lot of ways. But one of the things that I've been curious about, um, do you think that as a father, it's important, the relationship that a man has with a woman, um, that does that play a pivotal part in how willing and able he is to be a good father i do i do honestly um and 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 it's 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 crazy because they're always outliers there's always uh special cases but i've been able to to kind of see it all (laughs) i've experienced it all if not myself personally then friends and family and we just kind of have to 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 tell we have to tell our children the truth and you know we're about to have an honesty talk for a quick second you know if you're messing around with someone and you pop up pregnant of course both of y'all know what safety looks like but safety wasn't being used got it the dad says i don't want to be you know you know the man says i don't want to be a dad right now and she's like oh i'm having this baby with or without you on my own cool you decided to do that and should the man help out? Yeah, the man should help out. He should never want to be in a situation where he he only has kids on this earth and he's not doing anything about it. However, the narrative usually starts to switch. Like, you know, that's when you have the mom talking down about the dad. Like, yo, he's not here because he's not nothing. He's not trying to be nothing. He doesn't love us. He's selfish. He's this, he's that. And we could flip the situation to where you have people truly messing around or they could even be in a relationship and the woman gets pregnant guys like oh my god i'm so excited we're gonna be we're gonna be a family and she's like "Uh, i'm not ready to have kids and you know she goes to have an abortion which is completely her right like woman's choice but it it seems like it always gets kind of put on you know on the man now you do have some deadbeats out there so don't get me wrong you definitely do but we just need to be honest and i think sometimes that honesty hurts the people that was involved like you have women who were getting it on with married men then they get pregnant and like oh your dad's not here because he chose to be with another family and it's just like no dad's not here because he had his own family already and mom was doing some kind of immoral stuff and now here you know here we are but nobody wants to have to look at themselves and a lot of times being truthful and talking about those, those having those hard conversations, people have to relive that. They have to relive that hurt, relive that trauma, relive those transgressions. And it doesn't fall in line with probably who they are today. Like they've totally revamped, recreated, remoted themselves. So they don't want to have to go back and look at that, all that, you know, what they considered ugly or toxic about themselves. But don't perpetuate don't perpetuate a lie you know don't have your kids thinking that one of the parents is you know is faulty or no good because of the things you've done 
you know so in that it can go both ways i've seen that you know with men talking talking bad about their their baby mom to their kids and I, or their the mother of their children i've seen that with women talking bad about the father of their kids in their children's presence and i think that's something that should just be off the table like i shouldn't have to if we don't work we don't work but it's nothing to do with how much you and i love our our child we should be able to still come together and raise them we should be able to be positive influence and role models in their life like that toxicness however that relationship was between me and you shouldn't necessarily spill over into or permeate into our child's mind and their perception of who their mom and dad is and i think that happens far too much especially in our community absolutely we don't i don't feel like we lay the foundation enough or have you know healthy conversations before you know, having sex or before engaging with someone intimately, because anytime you do have sex, you always have the possibility of having children. So a lot of times we enter those intimate relationships without um, any, any consciousness of the potential rewards or consequences of, you know, creating a life. So you brought up something um, that's touche, but it is important. And I think that people should have this conversation. What do you think should be the solution for if two consenting adults decide that they want to engage sexually and they do end up pregnant, but the man doesn't want the child and the woman does? Um, And he's very vocal about not wanting to have children. Um, Do you think that it's fair for the woman to have the child? And like I said, this is going to be a little touche because, um, you know, it's a woman's body, woman's choice. But do you think that it's fair for her to move forward with having a child, even if the man doesn't want a child? Where is his level of accountability in that and hers? Um, And what should be um, the resolution if two people wind up in that situation? Goodness, that's definitely a a sticky, 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 <laughs> sticky, sticky topic. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I really feel, and I always try to look at things, you know, perspective, perspective, perspective. It's easy to, to look at the world through your own eyes because that's all you, you see, you know? So in situations, I always try to step out of myself and step into the other side and see because maybe of course what they're saying and what they're doing i would never notice because i i'm not seeing it from that side so for instance if we're looking at a couple and she gets pregnant he's excited he's over the moon but once again the girl she could have just been getting into her career she could have just accepted this new position and she's like, I can't, like now is not a good time. Now is not a good time. So when she goes and makes that choice, if she decides not to have a baby and she goes and get an abortion, do they ask like, hey, um, is the, the dad okay with this? Like, you know, do they have the man or the potential father sign off on any paperwork? Let, you know, letting them know that he gives his consent to have it or do they just go by what the mom says and then she has the abortion right so now let's look at it flip so if a if a man is telling you 
And I guess since we we're trying to be in this whole world of inclusion and equality, it's your choice, it's your body. Yes, but a conversation needs to be made. And if you can decide that now is not a good time in your life and you can exercise those options to make sure that you don't have a child now, how come when I tell you it's not a good time in my life or I don't want to be a father, it's pretty much forget what I say and all in how you feel as a woman. So we have to really look at that. And that's the thing. And it's a couple of things. So I feel maybe if the woman decides to, ha to have the child, the father didn't want nothing to do. He's told you like, no, I don't want no kids or now is not good because I'm not in the place financially that I want to be. I'm not where I want to be in my career to start a family. Uh, I honestly think that a woman should, should, I can't say respect that, but at least take it into consideration. And if, if that was how he felt from the time from conception on then maybe we need to have a real look at our our system when it comes to all right child support okay so child's here you're gonna pay for it and it's just like well i told her from jump like i didn't want this to happen because i wasn't here 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 and now that becomes another hurdle for that man to kind of hop over while trying to get to where he needs to be I mean, all in all, I think it's really sticky. I kind of think when it comes to abortions, both parties, if you know both parties, like if, you know, if the father's known, both parties should have to kind of sign off to be like, this is what we want as a couple. Um, and of course, if people were, were raped or if they don't know who the father is for whatever reason, then they wouldn't have the other person and they can go on and make that decision themselves. But I really do think that the woman wills all the power in a situation like that. And for the equality fight that they're fighting, that's one thing that's not equal and has never been equal and has always lied with the female. Right. Do you think that with our generation, um, and I, I'm gonna kind of put some of my views in here, just where I am right now in my life, I do feel like, you know, we don't put enough emphasis on these long-term potential outcomes before we engage with right. people um, in that capacity. So is that something, you know, are those conversations that you'll have with your son someday? Um how do you feel about like a sex before marriage or a sex before um, or just, you know, reckless sex or sex before having, you know, deep conversations about what the other side or the other possibilities look well, like? Well, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because, I mean, you're right. It's it's not really. No, it's exactly what you said It's people getting into these relationships or quote-unquote situationships and they're not having them those conversations you know why because their mind is not fixated on the future their mind isn't thinking about the the future they're thinking about right now and they're not looking at this person to where oh you're someone that probably maybe one day i, I would settle down and have a family with i'm only with you right now because of how you make me fit point blank period so everything that I'm doing, I'm doing in the now. 
And, you know, I think everyone's been there. I think everyone's probably dealt with someone who maybe characteristically is not someone who you would normally talk to or someone that you would look to if I'm thinking about anything long-term that I'm going to look at this person. But it was strictly based off of that that physical, you know? And physical conversation, I mean, mm-hmm. physical, physical actions, I mean, they happen. We're human. We're, you know, still part of the animal kingdom and, and we get it in. <laughs> but a lot of that time, it's not getting it in to, to reproduce. Like, we're getting it in just for how it makes us feel we're getting it in because we, we want to because we want to have sex so these are things that I'm, I'm definitely going to to talk to my sons about I kind of already started talking to my oldest he, he'll be 11 in another couple of months and I'm you know I just talk to him when it comes to women like how you how you treat women if uh, a woman is ever with you and she's for whatever reason she says she feels uncomfortable if you're doing something and she needs you to stop i didn't go into full detail currently at the time but i was just speaking in general you know generals like hey you know respect what she says stop because at the end of the day you know a parent or parents entrusted their daughter to you for that time period so you're now taking on the mantle of her protector and even if you end up in a long-term relationship like that's that's our role in our family it's like we, we are the protectors and you're supposed to make her feel safe and sheltered and if she can't feel safe anywhere else she should definitely feel safe with you so if the time comes up and she she's not feeling that way you need to do whatever possible to change that dynamic right do you feel like um prior to bringing children in the world and and thank you by the way for you know changing that being a person who is changing culture for the next generation because you know I do a lot of like workshops on reconstructing culture and it all starts with thoughts and conversations and just apl- applying these conversations in real time and teaching the next generation you know how to navigate and how to behave in different ways because you know we're at the crux of like so many different revolutions and changes um so thank you for being a pioneer in reconstructing you know intergender relationships and what that looks like with your sons um but did you do you feel like before you and your wife um decided to have children had you all had conversations about like what types of parents you wanted to be or like how you would raise your children or was that something that just you know you you learned as you went and you just you know are are figuring it out as you go i think it's a fair mix of of all the above because uh my wife and myself we weren't married for our first son because we were actually together we were in a relationship uh we had isaiah and probably maybe a year or so after he was born we ended up splitting up and we were co-parents for the the next want to say maybe three three or four years you know until we ended up coming back together as a as a parental unit and giving this thing called love one more try 
and of course we ended up getting married and we had two more kids so it it's uh when we when we talked in the past because i've known her for going on 17 years now it'll be 17 years in in september and we would talk about our relationships with our parents and i think we we did that more so because one we were young two we both lost parents at a young age so my father passed away when i was 21 and my mom passed away when i was 23 and my and her father passed away and she was 20 so we had in order to kind of heal in order to process everything and in my mind like i, I tell her even though and maybe this outlook is, is how i've been able to to make the moves that i made in my life i tell i tell her i said hey hey you know we had to grow up quick so while a lot of our friends were were still maybe living at home where they still could lean back on mom and dad like we didn't have that luxury because we were just kind of out here solo dolo so there's a lot of things we had to learn on our own there's a lot of things we had to learn very fast because now we got to play in the real world no matter how young we actually were and i've always tried to find the silver lining and things like okay this could be a horrible situation but what good can i take from it and i think that right there allows allowed me to to move and process and figure out how i can be a parent even when i wasn't really thinking about it because like i said we would discuss how our parents were we would discuss the things that we liked we would discuss the things that we didn't like and isaiah was playing because i, I always said i was like by the time i'm 25 I want to have a kid <laughs> and it ended up working out like that i was 25 when i had him and, and and you know and we we vowed to just be everything that we swore our parents weren't and the things that they were we wanted to be that and more if that makes any sense and then even with with the whole parenting thing it wasn't a big talk it was like i said over time talking about what we liked what we didn't like how we felt Oh, uh, when parents used to say this, or when parents used to do this, this is how we felt as kids. And we don't want to dismiss our kids' feelings because kids are people too. And I think a lot of times with, with our parents' generation, it was kind of like they were coming from that old, old school, kids are to be seen, not heard. And it was just a, a whole level of, they really didn't talk to us about our feelings. They didn't talk, they didn't let us express ourselves and how we felt because it didn't matter because we were just little people we weren't adults we were kids so we talked about all of those things i think over time and like i said that felt that fed into who we were as parents and just kind of learning on the fly because i see people they try to get the books or they was like going to take these classes and it's just it's not a fail-safe approach to being a parent the end of the day you look at you look at your significant other and you're like man we have kids we have people who who depend on us and whose life depends on us wow that's crazy but at the same time you kind of learn as you go and you know it takes a lot of communication and i think you know sometimes uh you know p may say something to zay and i'm like all right that's a little in my mind i'm like all right that was a little over the top you have to do them like that but i'm not gonna do it do it in front of him like i'm gonna I'm gonna let let her parent 
and then when it's just us then we'll talk about it like all right we probably had to say that because you can see after you said it how like how it made them feel or even me sometimes she may be like look you kind of going hard on them and i hit it with the well i have to because we have three sons <laughs> and they're all they're all little black boys and you know this world and I know this world, but I know this world as a black man. So sometimes we, you know, we have to check and balance each other. But at the end of the day, we're all trying to do what we can so we can raise these kids and give them a life better than than our own. Yeah. And I think it's so important that you all, you know, just people in general, find their groove as a couple first and figure out, you know, what their views are, how they connect with each other, what their friendship outside of, you know, the romantic part of the relationship, what that looks like before bringing children into the world, because then you're able, in my opinion, to better parent, you know, when you have gotten a grasp of like who you are, who your partner is, I think it helps for making a team, making it a team effort, um, when you've developed yourselves beforehand. Yeah. Um, so another question that I have, and I guess we'll go ahead and, and start wrapping it up. I'll, I'll ask about maybe two more questions, but um, what, what do you feel is um, most important in preparing yourself for marriage and parenthood? Okay, well, before I answer that, I'm going to circle back real quick to the point you just made about knowing your spouse and and having those relationships and having that friendship. That's very, 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 very important. And I say this because sometimes people get with people for the wrong reasons. Like, all right, well, this person's financially stable, so I know we'll be okay if I if I settle down. But this person's a lot of fun. We go out, you know, we go out, we go on trips. We're we're on someone's beach every summer or something like that. This is why I want to be with them. They're a boatload of fun. And and love and everything, everything else will come after a while. But you have to develop that that true, genuine, authentic friendship. That is the foundation of everything. And I, I'm telling you, because if you, we used to do a lot of stuff. I mean, we, we haven't really, because of course, COVID, but it's comparative to when we had kids, like we would take trips, we would do a lot of things together and then boom, you have kids, you know, and every decision that you make is now for their well-being. And sometimes we may, we realize like, hey, it's been, you know, a couple months, it's been three months, shit, we hadn't even been on a date, we haven't been out, we haven't had quote unquote alone time. And those are the things that I say you got to have that true foundation because it's going to get to a point where you can't conduct business as usual. You can't, you know, be out or just have one-on-one time for hours on end as as it was before. So if that was something that, you know, kept you here in the first place, anything outside of, of who that person was spiritually, emotionally, uh, mentally, then you're going to have a hard problem when, when kids come in because they, they monkey wrench it all. <laughs> like you, it, it's fun. It's great. I love being a father, but you can't just pick up and go how, how we used to back in the day. Things have to be planned out. Things have to be coordinated. 
time has to be set aside and, and you know has to be scheduled out um, that's what I wanted to say about that my advice on marriage and kids is is, is kind of like what you said in the beginning like you have to you have to be happy you have to be happy we've all experienced hurt we've experienced loss we've experienced trauma don't take that into your relationship don't take that into your marriage don't take that into your parenthood you know uh the way that our parents may have treated us the things that we wanted them to say that they didn't uh former exes and how they treated us how they they may have broken our hearts the things that they've done we you have to deal with that internally and nobody can do it but you i mean you can go to therapy which you know i'm i'm a big advocate for mental health you know because the stigma with our people has always been your problems are your problems like deal with them like why are you telling anyone else because after you tell them guess what your problems are still going to be here but you know our parents are wrong they internalize so much in in that stress internalizing like that that can literally kill you you know stress kills it's the silent killer mm-hmm. you know raises that's why you look at our people with hypertension and heart disease because we're holding so much in and how much how much better do you feel sometimes when you just vent or when you can just tell someone how you feel and get it out it may not change the situation but you got it out and you got it off your chest and i think that's just a, a big thing going forward you have to before you step into marriage before you step into parenthood you have to truly look at yourself in the mirror you have to evaluate who do i want to be can i be this person can i effectively love the way i'm needed to love can i love my spouse the way they need to be loved can i love these children the way they need to be loved because at the end of the day the children didn't ask to be here so can i do all of these and and still be okay and sometimes people think they can but you can't be your best version for someone else when you're barely holding on or when you're broken and crumble yourself you can't love someone unconditionally when you don't even love yourself fully you know so these are things especially in our community we have to do that tough work of looking inside and we have to figure out what makes us happy stop relying on other people to make you happy your spouse does not make you happy it's not their job to make you happy your kids it's not their job to make you happy true happiness comes from within it comes from you can they contribute to your happiness yeah, by all means you know i tell I tell my wife like hey you can do all of this stuff right here that's going to contribute to you know me being happy it's going to keep me happy it's not going to make me happy at the end of the day i have to love me for, for me i have to be okay and accepting of my life you know and all of that comes from from within like you you and you alone hold the keys to your happiness and happiness isn't what people what some people think it is some people think all right if i get the six figure job i'm going to be happy Okay, you may have more money in the account, but now you're miserable and you're hating every day of existence. You know, you could have been happy at that $50,000 a year job, but it it wasn't bringing in enough money, but you were you had joy. So you have to find those balances and figure out 
what exactly contributes to me being happy? What would make me happy? What does happiness look like to me? And I think once you start being able to answer those questions, then you can talk about going into a relationship. You could talk about being parents, but you can't do none of that right and do none of it effectively and do none of it without passing on toxicity or perpetuating cycles if you're not willing to do the work yourself on the on the front end. I love that. And that's everything that this podcast is about. Just how do we do the work? How do we delve deep? How do we get in there and construct happiness as a state of being, you know, not as just this temporary emotion? Um, My final question is just um, for the men. Like, I feel like in our society, um, well, we have so many things going on right now, but what's happening is that we are kind of priming women and men to be less loving. And we're definitely, you know, promoting this concept of like becoming a savage and women are taking on, you know, when you look at the macro culture, these very thought to be masculine characteristics of like not necessarily seeing men as lovers and just seeing them as what they can get from them. And that's, you know, been a theme in our culture, um, maybe since the early 90s, late 80s, where we look at relationships as very transactional as far as, you know, what can you do for me? You know, what can, what can I get from this? And I think that we need to really deconstruct what love looks like because the foundation of any society and any culture is the family unit. You're only as successful um, as you can be together. Um, So you are a husband, you are a father, and I think that that represents a level of strength and vulnerability because it takes so much strength to be in love. It takes so much strength to operate from a place of love And I feel like a lot of men in our generation are having to learn how to love on their own or, you know, of course, through media or through their homeboys. Um, But there's no like pamphlet, like they're not raised to know how to love in the same way that women are raised to look for how to love. So what advice do you have for men in their journeys of self-evolution in how, and I don't know if this question is framed properly, but I hope you understand like, you know, what I'm trying to ask. But, um, you know, what advice do you have for men as far as being able to exercise the strength that it takes to open their hearts up into love? I definitely understand your question. And it's, it's funny, I was having this conversation with a a good friend of mine probably a couple of weeks ago and he was pretty much saying that he when he gets in relationships the best that a woman's getting from him is 70 percent you know he can't allow himself to go beyond 70 percent because he's been hurt in the past and 70 percent keeps him safe to where he can operate with her and if something happens he can move on and he said he has to be with a woman who loves him more than he loves her to make sure that this works 
but he looks at it and love transactional just like you said like what can i do for you like oh you're gonna need me to pay for this you're gonna need me to take care of this and in return you do this but it was also based off of the example that he saw in the home too so you know he mentioned how his mom was bringing in kind of dude after dude and 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 that's what he saw like he was seeing his mom kind of profit off of these relationships and that's why he feels that women truly don't love you they love what you can do for them so i had to and it was funny because he even brought up my wife he was just like well you know you're married but you think if you know you didn't have the house and everything that you have that p would still be with you and i said yes she was with me before I had it all in the first place. So, you know, it's not coming from a what can I do or what do I have to show. This is something that we build and we worked and we toiled and we labor together for. Like, these are the fruits of the, the seeds we've planted. So I know it's not about that. And with men, they just have to get out of their own way. Like, we, we claim we want a certain kind of woman, but then we go after the opposite, you know, characteristic wise. All right. You're not going to meet your wife if you want her to be, I can't, I'm not going to say God fearing, uh, tax, don't be in the club. <laughs> but if, you know, you're not going to meet her on $1 Tuesday, you know what I'm saying? You, you have to go, we have to put yourselves in the environments and in the atmospheres to, so you can meet the people that you're trying to meet, all right? So you gotta be honest with yourself on who do you want, what kind of person that looks like. Then you have to develop that real foundation. Like it shouldn't be a, oh, our first date, I spent $500 on her, or uh, you know, or you're sitting there counting, if I buy this, if I buy this, if I buy this, Will she spend more time with me or will she be more apt to show me affection? You have to truly come to come from a place of I'm trying to establish everything. Is what I told, this is funny, I told my son this and I told my younger cousins this. I said, dudes will always be able to spend, this guy is always gonna be able to have money. But then sometimes you wonder, how, do, how does that real bomb chick with the dude that's riding a bus or you know in community college when she has pro athletes and everything else like on her jock like why is she staying with him and i said if you can get to a woman's mind that's the connection that's the bridge they're gonna always if you are genuine and true enough to connect with her mind then that's where she resides and everything else will follow after that i said that material stuff, it looks good, it gets old, it dulls, it passes away. That that mental connection, you remember, you can remember people throughout your life that you have mentally connected with, that has stimulated you enough in your mind to even this day, you'd be like, if you talk to that person, it's like time never, you know, it, it never stopped. You pick up exactly where you where you got off. And even if it's nothing if it's not any kind of romantic feelings, you enjoy like the mental sparring and just the stimulation of having thought-provoking conversations or or elevated conversations than just regular everyday life. And that's what I told them, like the mind, the mind, the mind. 
you can do a lot you can show off you can flex i guarantee you someone's going to be flexing harder someone you know you got 20 dollars. somebody's going to have 21 and when you get 30 somebody's going to have 50. so you can't play this game you have to try to be in it for authenticity find what you want to find and from there lay down the foundation and then you have to be honest with yourself and be honest with her I, a lot of times i think us as men have messed up good relationships and we've messed up good women by just not being honest you know if you want to be with her say you want to be with her if you want to be with her but you're dating three other people hell tell her it sounds like bullshit, but tell her because at the end of the day, people are adults and they're grown. They get less mad about the content of what you're actually saying, but they're more upset that you remove their opportunity to make a decision for themselves. Right, absolutely. What about as far as like men being um, afraid of love? So I know you were mentioning your friend who said he loves at 70%. What would you tell men who are actively running from or afraid of giving themselves to the experience of love um, for fear of getting hurt? How do you navigate that? I think as a man, it's kind of something that you just have to jump into. When you're, when you're really in love and when you're truly with someone, there there is a fear that maybe one day this person will wake up and be like, eh, I don't want to be here. It was nice. Had fun while I lasted. I'm out. You know what I'm saying? But you can't live life like that. You can't look at every person. You can't look at every glass as half empty. You know, you, have, you need to look at them as half full. And for me like i was telling him what you what you have to do is you have to figure out why why don't you feel like you're capable of being loved why don't you feel like people can actually love you what in your life has happened that has shown you that you can't be genuinely loved what happened last time you were in love dissect that now, was that something that maybe you possibly contributed to or was it all on them? But you have to take that look. You have to look at look at that man in the mirror and figure out what is going on. Because, you know, being being an adult, being grown and just say, like, I'm running from love. But at the same time, you're shouting, I want to be loved. I want to be in a relationship like something's not not adding up. So I would say they, they just probably have to find out and believe it or not it all kind of ties back into an experience like where did your thought or perception of love change was it in your childhood was it in your home was it in college when you got with the one you thought you was gonna be with for the rest of your life and you know she got with your best friend and like what was it you know what i mean like it had to be something that shifted it gave you such a negative and uh a dirty image of love to the, to the point where you feel like you can't be loved or it's not out there for you. And it's, it's out there. You know, you have to be open and receptive to it, but I tell them at the same time, you can't be chasing it down. You know, you kind of just have to let life happen and just know that you'll meet or you'll cross paths with the people that you're intended to when the time is right. 
can't look at your friend's life. You can't look at how your parents did it. You can't look at how your grandparents did it. You know, we're all in this race called life. And yeah, it is a race, but it's a race that I'm running at my own pace. And your milestones do not equal my milestones. So therefore I can't judge what you've achieved and accomplished based off of where I am and think it should be the same thing. Like life is gonna happen for all of us when it's supposed to happen, whatever that looks like, however that looks like, with whoever that looks like. And we can't try to force the issue because then we're gonna create something that's not real and nor can we try to look where everyone else is and be like, I need to be right here too because we don't know the work that was put in for them to get to the level that they are today. Absolutely. Well, brother, thank you so much for coming on to the Making Happy podcast. I appreciate your insight um, and your willingness to share the wisdom that you have gained over the years. Where can um, people find you? Do you have any social media? I know you have a podcast. Can you drop the drop the the word on um, where people can? Okay. Find well, you, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Heavy Hand. So it's kind of play on my last name. Last name is Lightfoot. So at Heavy Hand H E A V Y H A N D uh, on Facebook at Jerry Lightfoot. Uh, my podcast is a social and economic issue STEM podcast called The Power Struggle. Uh, currently, we're under under Empathy Media Lab on all platforms. Um, that's my co-host. My co-host, he has his own uh, media company, and he does a lot of production where it comes with, uh, you know, documentaries and, and everything else. But we're currently working on a platform to to kind of you know separate ourselves so people can just find the power struggle when they search it but we're on youtube we're on i believe we're on anchor we're on apple we're on spotify we're on uh title all under empathy media labs and just look for the power struggle episodes okay perfect so i will put that in the notes for this podcast Um, and if you are going through anything, you need support on your happiness journey, always know that I am here for you. Your host, Sade Freya. I can be reached at hello at Sade Freya. Again, that's hello at S-A-D-E-F-R-E-J-A.com. And I am your happiness hero coach. Again, let's take time each day to make happy happen. Peace, y'all.